This is C. And this is D. And this is Swinging Down Under. So we've got, um, following this, we've got a, a really cool interview mm-hmm. that we did with a Singaporean local sexologist. Sex, sexologist, yeah. It's, and sex educator and um, everything that starts with sex. <laughs> and love. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But um, let's, let's be honest, we're more focused on the sex oh, here. It's a little bit true, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that that will be an interesting podcast. Hope hopefully uh, you guys stick around and listen to that. Before we get started on that, though, C has some things she'd like to tell everybody. Well, we just want to update you guys on the November Desire trip. So we were recently talking to the Joneses and TNA from the Curious Couple, and we're told that there's only four or five uh, ocean view rooms left, and that the resort is actually fifty percent booked for the week we're going. Yeah, and let's be honest, the 50% generally belongs to us. It's cray-cray. Yeah, it's awesome. So we're looking forward to meeting everyone at that. But we just wanted to make sure everyone was aware mm-hmm. of that fact. Um, well, because the, the I mean, we're staying in one of those, yeah? We're staying in the... Yeah, we're staying in the Ocean View. In That's the ocean the, it's view. the lead-in room. Of course, there's, there's availability in some of the different suites. But, um, you know, I mean, it seems odd thinking about something for 10, 11 months in advance. But the reality is, you know, people need to prepare and book flights and budget. So... Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, into the... Into the well, I guess just in case you were interested in coming, though, it's the 11th to the 18th of November. And you guys can sign up on our website and uh, book through some of our affiliates links. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you want to come, we'd love to meet you. But we- to get into the interesting stuff, we want to introduce a lady, as we mentioned, local Singaporean. Her name is Dr. Martha Lee. Yes. So she's actually official, a trained sexologist in the, in the United States, actually. Yeah, she's trained. Well, she's and she's done some stuff in other locations, some other study in other locations as well. So, um, she's yeah, she's a really interesting lady, actually. So she is local Singaporean and... I guess, you know, what we learned, the reason we wanted to actually interview her in the first place uh, is because we wanted to give you guys out there listening to us a little bit of insight in some of the different cultures around the world. And, of course, we have... Sexual cultures as well as, as, as cultural requirement towards sex, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have our own individual reality from growing up in Australia. And, yeah. of course, everyone is listening, and we have a lot of friends who follow us in the United States, they download, or from Europe, yeah. may not know a lot about Asian culture. And so, for us, it was insightful, but also, some of it is just, you know, just such a wow factor, I guess, in terms of the differences between growing up. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we won't we won't dig into those, because that's covered throughout the throughout the conversation. Um, and I think it's we ended up about 45 minutes of conversation. Yeah, that's true. We should we probably got... get the, the wrap-up. Um, we'll get the intro wrapped up, I guess. <laughs> so you guys can get to it. Um, just in case you would like to uh, talk with Dr. Martha Lee and your uh, local Singaporean listener, which we have a few, and mm-hmm. Asia and, and Australia as well. She's headed down to Australia very shortly. Um, Euros Coaching is the name of her business, and you can find her at www.eros.com coaching.com so um she'll be headed down it's the evolution experience evolution experience in sydney it's early february and yeah. she's doing some workshops down there so second of the second uh, second of the second the seventh of the second you've yeah got here so, so if you want to catch up with some of her workshops she's doing some workshops for couples some workshops for uh, single people empowerment workshops and incidentally the yoni massage um training that i did was hosted with, by Dr. Martha yeah, Lee. Yeah, hosted right. with Dr. Martha. Yeah, that's so right. So we'll, we'll put her contact details on our website anyway while we do the, the show notes here, but you can also follow her on Twitter at 
DR for Dr. Martha Lee. Um, so we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy. Thanks, guys. So thanks very much, Dr. Martha Lee, for joining us on the show today. And um, we have a couple of questions we want to ask you. But of course, before we get into that, you are a sexologist based in Singapore. Can you give us a quick understanding of your background and, and what interested you in being a sexologist, you know, here in Singapore? Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm Singaporean Chinese, born and bred in Singapore. I have, uh, I studied uh, in San Francisco, but uh, even then I didn't really live there. I was commuting back and forth uh, for five times as when I was doing my doctorate in human sexuality. So I think that's one thing that's quite unique because I am entirely born and uh, bred here, haven't lived overseas, unlike a lot of other more internationally-based uh, uh, Singaporeans. And um, I, I got into this work because I've always liked sex and um, I have had some sex-positive experiences um, through my mom. And it formed a belief in me that sex was something that was worth waiting for and looking forward to when I grow up. And after growing up, realized that there really wasn't much in terms of where I could go to learn. And I just kind of figured out a lot of things by myself. Um, internet uh, being a great help. Uh, growing up, there wasn't internet. And it really wasn't until I was in my mid-twenties that we had the internet so so then I just I I also had friends around me who were sexually inhibited and unable to enjoy sex and I really wanted to help them so combination of many many things um timing and um finances came in and so I decided to uh, pursue this doctorate and uh, start my practice in Singapore I mean, you've reached so many interesting things just there. I mean, um, the fact that, you know, as you said, it was, you spoke about sex in your family, but, you know, you had friends who also maybe they didn't know where to go. They didn't know how to find out about sex. And, you know, we, it, there's such a big cultural difference between, you know, where we grew up in Australia and the the sexual culture there versus what we've seen in, in some Asian culture Um and so can you talk us through, I mean, the people that you're helping and even your girlfriends you were talking about earlier, what do you find is such a big cultural difference between, you know, what you maybe saw in when you were studying in San Francisco versus what you see here? Yeah, I've uh, traveled to Sydney, Australia as well, and also taught in Perth and Sydney. Um, I guess the more westernized society and Asian culture is different in the sense that um, we have the supposed Asian values where until you are married, you are still a child. And as uh, more and more people go for higher education, they are still children until they get married. So technically you are still a child to your parents until you're in your thirties because mm -hmm. you would go for your university studies. And some people are not going for their masters and doctorate now. So, this whole thing about you are a child um, means that you are de financially dependent on your parent, which means you know you're in their household, and uh, there is definitely lack of privacy as uh, as well when you live with your parents. 
uh, not to mention that the houses uh, in Asia are generally smaller as well. Yeah. So there's a lack, there's a lack of privacy. And um, that's this whole Asian value thing of how we value chastity and virginity. So sex is not really talked about um, because the, our parents don't have sex education themselves from their parents. And um, it's something that they, are, they might be embarrassed talking about and so they don't talk about it. Um, so this perpetuates the, the shyness and inhibitions that the parent has, the child can sense and so doesn't bring it up. There's also a lack of um, any kind of encouragement to get um, education when it comes to sex for fear that if you are more educated, you will want to explore more. Kids being kids, you know, uh, mm. always curious and wants to break rules. So suddenly when it comes to sex, it's better just to not talk about it. So for, for Asian culture, it's, it's, it's very much so. Uh, independence is not really talked about. You are really taught from a young age to respect your parents. And then you have all these good girls and good boys. They listen to their parents literally, including not <laughs> masturbating. Mm -hmm. I do have clients who have had experiences where they were caught masturbating, were told not to masturbate, and really stopped masturbating. And so a big part of their sexuality was already shut down for more than 10 or even 20 years by the time they have real problems and come in to seek my help because suddenly they're married, they have this license to have sex but they really have no idea how to do it mm -hmm. and their only reference is porn. And, uh, porn Which is, is not uh, real sex. <laughs> yeah, it's not real, it's uh, entertainment, it's contrived and a lot of it um, objectifies the man and the woman mm -hmm. and gives a lot of pressure as well as uh, forced... Um, beliefs of what it should be like uh, not to mention uh, first time sex there's not really much edu uh, information um, online about how to consummate your marriage as a first time uh, person and uh, this um, sorry about the noise uh, this also happens to um, men you know and, and women so I have clients coming in who are both virgins and when I ask them is it because of religion they, they, they tell me it's because uh, we're Asians and we value virginity. So it's not really so much, um, pro of course, for some people it's religious, but I'm saying um, this Asian value seems to be a real, um, have a real hold on people, so much so that they they don't. And anything around sex becomes taboo because it's not talked about by their parents. Yeah. Um, it's not talked about much in school for me growing up and maybe more so now, but really um even like re in recent years um indonesia is taking a, a a backward step you know like now they want to kill all all homosexuals so it's uh and also they want to kill all women in proximity of men now you know like they've gone backwards so uh advocacy work is very important and it's it's it, there are lots of um you know um challenges because it's also like religious influences and then there's political um so so coming back to your question in a in a, in a long roundabout way um i guess the difference and thankfully the difference between me and my friends is i have had one or two like sex positive experiences with through my mom like mm -hmm. my mom used to walk around the house naked and when me and my sister uh who's one year younger would tease her she would say, you know, what's there to be embarrassed about? Both of you came from my body and this is my house so I can walk around naked if I want to. And as a child looking at that, 
you know, I was really puzzled. At the same time, I had admiration for my mom. Yeah. That she was so body uh, proud and confident. Another another time, you know, I asked my mom uh, when I was young um, how sex is like. And she didn't answer me. She never explained to me the birds and the bees. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, she just said it in a really crude, crude way, like, oh, you know, the penis uh, just uh, uh, s- stuffed into you. She didn't even say where. Um, <laughs> so she didn't even use the word penis, of course. She used it in, like, dialect. So yeah. so it's crude and it's scary. But one day I just asked my mom, like, when I was young, I asked her, what is sex really, really like? And she didn't say anything. She smiled. And it didn't go into birds and bees. So that gave me the impression that sex was something beautiful, wonderful, amazing, something that I can look forward to when I grow up. And so the difference between me and my friends is um, they were told they were told as little as me, uh, told nothing. Um, but the difference is I had little glimpses of impressions that sex would be wonderful. Okay. And so that that fueled my curiosity and my desire to help people and help myself first and help other people. For a long yeah, time, it was just think, about myself. Um, yeah, sorry, go yes, on. Yes, no, you can. Um, I think, well, it, certainly in our experience, Singapore seems to be still a little bit um, further behind in in some of the Asian cultures. Would you support my opinion on that or do you think that uh, um, I, I I've just picked don't... the wrong group? I really don't know because it depends what Asian uh, culture you mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for instance, anything that makes money is definitely go for it. <laughs> so study hard, you know, work hard. Uh, these are very much Asian values. Uh, be yes. smart with your money, save money. Like these are very uh, good values that uh, support, uh, you know, uh, a person being a successful adult. So some of these Asian values are not necessarily bad. It's just when it comes to sex because there's so little of um, accurate information and education. So there's a lot of shyness and inhibitions. And um, because it's, it's such a pattern of, okay, shut down your sexuality, listen to mom and dad, focus on study, 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 work hard, work hard, work hard. Don't really ask uh, questions about um, joy, happiness, pleasure, sensation, don't really ask yourself questions around. So, sex education that, is still not mm-hmm. uh, not taught here in Singapore. We have sex education in Singapore now. Um, mm-hmm. it's at student, no, like at um, you know high school level or something like that. Like teenagers, yeah, they do have it. They do have it. They have it in primary school now too. It's okay. uh, more abstinence based, um, okay. but it's better than me. You know, I had none. Yeah. Like literally once a year when I was in my high school or secondary school. I would have like a sanitary pad company come in and all the girls had to file into the hall and listen to how we need to clean our vaginas or I'm, I mean like maintain general hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> so sex, that was sexual that health. Was, yeah, yeah, sexual health. And it's not about pleasure. And uh, we had scary talks as well. I remember one talk where we were, we were shown uh, scary pictures of abortion and we were given a little pint wow. of uh, like a six-week-old fetus. And we were told that's how a fetus' uh, feet would be, how small. That's life and abortion is bad. And that really freaked out some women. 
And, and uh, Dr. Martha, how old were you when they were talking to you about abortion and showing you those images? I think I was in, I was, I think I was like maybe 11. Wow. Okay. I, yeah, I was really, I was, I thought, oh, this pin is really cute. And then I wore it for like a few weeks and then I was like, actually, this is kind of gross. <laughs> and then I threw it away. <laughs> wow. Thanks for sharing that experience with us. Yeah, that's, um, that's really interesting. I, I'm, I'm always interested in what level of sex education happens in, you know, whichever country we're in um, and whether that, uh, you know, becomes a detriment or, or a positive experience. Certainly in Australia, I received sex ed, I think, in grade three. So that's probably seven years, eight years old. Yeah, of course, there's different levels of it, though. You know, oh, they, yeah, might, yeah, yeah. they might start out in that more sexual health realm. And then as you get older, they're starting to talk a little bit more about, you know, why you do it. And, and, and yeah, as you, get, as you get to puberty, things yeah. get a little bit more yeah. exciting. Yes, we, we, don't really, we don't really have we, – we do have a more abstinence-based program right now. And really, it's talking about basically abstain. It's, it's, it's not even giving comprehensive sex education. It's not talking about – I believe safer sex practices is so important because it's also about, like you mentioned, selecting partners and being able to um, have negotiations and uh, safer sex elevator speeches and talking about consent and boundaries. This mm. is all very uh, blur yeah, absolutely. For, for me I mean, growing up. And I, I have had a struggle with being assertive because as a child, like I mentioned, uh, child until marriage, um, I was told to just shut up and um, I was not taught to um, assert myself. And when I did uh, articulate, it always used to come out as aggression. And mm. that's very common for, for Asians cause, because we don't feel safe uh, speaking and we are afraid of offending people. So we don't speak our truth. And then when it comes to the bedroom, obviously, since we haven't had practice asserting ourselves, um, then there is a lot of... Um, pain and fear and uh, uh, worry that happens in the bedroom. Yeah, I can imagine there's a lot of built-up built, built up pressure there as well around sex, given you know nothing about it. You know, the, if yeah. the education only comes from porn, then, I mean, that's porn is absolutely contrived. There's, there's nothing real about porn at all. Well, the, the, the good thing about uh, uh, Singapore is we, we are a very international um, country, cosmopolitan, kind of like New York, uh, but not quite. And um, we, we are more and more um, international, like, you know, with, um, social, uh, pop, with social media, with pop culture, with Hollywood. All these Western influences um, are making people more independent in their thinking, even though they are Asians. So the younger generation are not are not having the same kind of uh, level of taboo and inhibitions that my generation has. I'm talking about people who were born in their late 70s or 80s. Uh, the younger generation have less of that, and they are encouraged in school to be more questioning. Mm -hmm. And so all these things will help them uh, to also uh, apply the same um, rationale in, in getting sex information and knowledge for themselves. So I do see this changing, I, I believe. I like to think so. Um, and I, I have all kinds of clients, you know, not just uh, Singaporeans. I have clients from India, from uh, uh, the region, really. Um, mm -hmm. India, Malaysia, Pakistan, Bang Bangladesh, 
uh, Indonesia, Philippines, because Singapore is also considered a medical hub. Yes. So they come through, and I'm I'm very privileged to have access to all these different cultures and nationalities. And of course, I also work with expats uh, mm-hmm. here, like foreign Western Westerners as well. And I would see sometimes um, the where they come from is less important than what they were exposed to. Yes, absolutely. What was instilled in them at a young yeah, age and how precisely. they grew up. Yeah, so like yeah, you but... could have somebody from Netherlands who's who's extremely shy around sex and you can have a Singaporean who is more open. So I I uh, take a little snapshot of where who they are, where they are, I look at their race, nationality, and I get a sense of their background and then we move on from there. I, mm-hmm. I choose to, when I work with people, always look at them as individuals. Yeah, I think that's absolutely necessary because even if you look at uh, myself and C, um, you know, we my my mother instilled in me that masturbation was dirty, right? So this is not not just something that that happens in Asia. This happens in in Australia as well. And I think um, C had the same exactly yeah. the same thing. It wasn't just masturbation for me. I mean, I grew up in a household where sex was a wifely duty. It was something mm-hmm. not necessarily to be pleasured. It was to appease your husband until the next time that you had to then perform that duty almost like it was washing the dishes. Um, so, you know, even we also have these households where not necessarily can you blossom in that um, situation. Now, you spoke a little bit uh, about um, virginity and virginity loss. Um, we did notice, you know, versus Australia, because that's what we, where we come from, so we know a little bit about that, and the age here in Singapore is, is older than Australia. You spoke about culture and families and living in smaller houses do you think they're the only contributing factors or are there other things perhaps um, causing that late the virginity well, loss? I think it's perpetuating, you know, like um, when I was young, I saw my uh, classmate of mine, she wore this uh, pin in her hair and then I wanted the same pin. So I cried and I told my dad and I, my dad went to ask her mom where she got the pin and then my dad went to buy the pin. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little bit of peer pressure that's already happening when I was six, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that. If, if all, everyone around you is busy studying and uh, don't have a boyfriend and then those people who do have boyfriends are considered distracted from their studies. Right. Right. So then you just you just um, look at them as black sheep and you just focus on your studies. A lot of it is very much studies based because we are really talking about not disappointing your parents and having a good job. Because when you when you grow up and get a good job, then you're expected to start giving money to your parents. Mm-hmm. So their livelihood actually depends on you. So a lot of expectations. And so a lot of expectations and, you know, we don't have independence. We're not encouraged to move out of the house at 16. We're not encouraged to uh, move into the dorm or, or uh, you know. Uh, For the university studies yeah. and things like that, it, yeah. It, it's it, typically it, all done from home. Yeah. Um, there, are people, there are people who stay in the dormitory, but only when their house is really far, like far as in like across the island. Singapore is a small island, you know, so <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't really have that much of that happening. 
And with more international students coming to Singapore, I think the dorms are also having challenges of accommodating more Singaporeans. I would say a small percentage of students really stay in the dorm. And therefore, you don't have your privacy. You don't have all that peer pressure. You you are basically less influenced. And I don't know what you call it, like blinkers. It's, it's, you know, I, I kind of went through that. You know, you're just so busy studying, you don't have time for anything else. Yeah. Okay. Um, just to move on, the the, I mean, you you understand that we're in the swinging lifestyle. Yeah. And you know, we we've found that there is an underground community here. Yeah. For for swingers, mm-hmm. but I'm curious as to you know if we if we were at an event and and we actually spoke to people about the fact that we were that way. Um, our relationship worked that way. What do you think the re- reaction would be from the general public as a overarching view? I think most people will be shocked. Yeah, okay. Most people will be shocked. And if it depends who you talk to. The more educated Singaporeans will be curious. But it, was, it would not be curious in the sense of in a good way. It would be curious like, Ha, huh, I have this lab right now. I can ask all the questions that I want <laughs> yeah. about Again, swimming probably, and sex. Probably comes back to the lack of sexual um, training or education. Yeah. People, yes. if they find this, somebody like that, they try and dig in. this whole thing like, oh, these are things that white people do. We Asians don't do this, which is not true. But that's what they seem to think. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, white people are promiscuous. Uh, so they might think uh, of words along the lines of immoral because you know you don't you don't know what you don't know and then what you don't know you tend to judge. Yeah, so I definitely was more judgmental when I was uh, not a sex educator because I was not exposed. And once I was exposed and got all this education, a lot of my limiting beliefs and judgments just fell away. And when they fell away, I felt liberated. I felt. I felt at one with all humanity and I, it actually made me a better person when I became less judgmental uh, when it comes to sexuality. So really, I am the ex- exception because I went and got all this training and education, um, but it is definitely um, challenging for people who haven't had the opportunities I've had, who, who are not as curious about sex as me, to go and find out about things that they are not really into. Like, you know, I have had to really study about BDSM um, because I find the whole idea really bizarre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I went and got like more than 10 over books on BDSM and I read them all. <laughs> From online? You bought them online? I'm assuming you didn't buy uh, them. No, I bought them. I bought them. No, I bought them from Amazon, and then I got them uh, shipped, shipped in. Um, yeah. in my luggage. <laughs> I bought them in. And I, I was, was going to so say, we, I don't think I, we've ever seen a book like that in Singapore. Yeah, I no, you're not going to. No. Uh, some stuff is uh, censored. So I just bought them in the US when I was there, and then I just brought my whole collection here. I have tons and tons of books because I know I wouldn't be able to get them in Singapore. And when I try to get sex-related books uh, in the library, um, you know, it's really, really hard. It's really So there's very little access. Um, but then there's online, you know, mm-hmm. people can get information online and a lot of times they don't know where to go because... Yeah, the, the so trouble with possible. online is you can yeah. never figure out whether it's accurate or not. Yeah. You know, um, so, and as soon as you start like, looking for anything sexual, the first thing that pops up is porn and yeah. mountains of porn. Yes. You have to dig through that to find yes. something real. 
Yeah, and, and it is off-putting for people who really want to seek knowledge. I also have people who, you know, go go and do research for hours and hours, come in with all these, like, crap, like, you know, like the Crazy most questions. bizarre ideas about sex that they now have uh, believe as fact now, and they want to educate me. <laughs> so, oh, really? So that happens when <laughs> awesome. people have too much information and uh, a lot of it is inca- inaccurate. Yeah, that's Dr. Google at work right there. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Google strikes again. It's the best uh, best medical research everybody yeah. does straight to Google and generally it's all wrong. Yeah, it's um, – so generally I find certain websites really good, like Scarlet Teen is really good. Uh, even though it's meant for um, teenagers, but because it's so comprehensive and well-written, I recommend a lot of my clients there. Then there's a WebMD, which is uh, medical-based, which is also a safe um, site to go to. Uh, so these are the two uh, that I would recommend people to go to uh, for a start uh, to get some sex education. Yeah, and, and on, I guess sticking with the education theme, you actually run classes um, here in Singapore. And um, I, I have had a look on your website, and you run, you run a really large spectrum of different classes. Um, you know, everything from very simplistic questions about, as you say, you know, maybe the, the first time you're having sex, right through to, you know, touching or bordering on some of that BDSM or, or kink stuff. So, what would you say are some of the most successful classes that you're running here in um, Singapore? Yeah, because um, nobody else in Singapore uh, is running sex-educated workshops publicly. I'm sure there are workshops that are being um, held privately. Um, I feel that it is important to uh, talk about it even if, um, so sometimes I partner with other people to run BDSM-related workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the most popular workshops are the handjob, blowjob workshops. So okay. I have a handjob workshop, I have a blowjob workshop for ladies. Yep. And um, I've, been, I've been doing this for seven years. So I used to run them separately, then I combined them. Then in the last year, I've, I've separated them again because there are people who find them quite overwhelming and, like, a lot of information coming at yeah. them. Especially if it's their first time kind of really yeah. talking about it. And I, I guess even opening up to you would take some time for you to bridge that gap so they feel like they, they don't need to be shy. They can ask questions and engage. Yeah. So um, so these are the popular ones. I really like running um, this uh, Art of Feminine Presence uh, workshops. Um, I'm a I'm a licensed uh, teacher from uh, Rachel Jane Groover who certified me, and um, these workshops are really about helping um, those who identify as women to uh, understand what femininity means to them. Because a lot of times it means being weak and uh, being uh, uh, fluffy or being a bimbo. But that's not what femininity really is about. There is strength in femininity and a lot of uh, women now are feeling really overwhelmed. They feel that they've lost that touch of what it means to be a woman. And so um, I run these um, workshops as well um, that I'm, I'm very passionate about being a woman. Um, I see you probably get that from your mother, you know, having, um, having that feeling of, of beautiful body and, you know, a beautiful presence and wanting to share that with other women. 
uh, yeah, I also learned a lot from my mother what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> we all learn a lot yeah. Yeah. in terms of that. So that's the thing that I I I I have about us um, Asians is that you know we put blame onto our education system, on our culture, on our parents, and um, I think uh, in order to really step into our power as adults is to stop blaming anybody and just take responsibility. If you didn't have sex education, go get it. If you have questions, go find the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel that you don't know something, go learn. Yep. And um, so, so I always hear these people, you know, my clients coming in and complaining and every single one of them would say, yeah, you know, it stems from lack of sex education. Yeah. Um, well, it's good to see it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like putting blame somewhere and at some point we really need to move past that and just take ownership. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I run these classes to help uh, people who are not sexually confident to know that, okay, there's somewhere that they can go, that they can learn sex techniques without feeling like it's sleazy. So none of my workshops in Singapore has any touch on nudity. I do run workshops with touch and nudity in uh, Australia. But in Singapore, because I'm a, I'm a certified uh, sex educator, so my code of ethics doesn't allow me to have touch on nudity. And I, I, I really don't want to. Because in Singapore, once I start doing things like that, people start thinking... Uh, you know, start judging me again, and it'll start be seen that, differently, no that, doubt at all. Yeah, mm. so I choose not to do that in Singapore, even though I I might get a lot of money and I might you know I might become popular, but I don't want to be controversial for the wrong reasons. Uh, I want to always be very clear who I'm serving, and I want to serve the majority. And I I run all these BDSM workshops, sure, but not many, and um. Uh, they also don't have a lot of response. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, even though I want to run more different kinds of workshops, but if if I don't have a lot of response, then it's ultimately still a business. You know, I I don't want to keep doing things that will yeah, drain my energy. And especially if it's not helping anyone. And so, especially, yeah, especially since I get tired, you know, trying to run so many workshops that people don't sign up for. Yeah, so I green. just keep running the popular workshops. And the ones that I really feel that uh, people need, they don't sign up for, like, you know, uh, workshops on their sexual attitude before you even talk about techniques. Mm -hmm, The attitude is more important than a technique, but nobody wants to hear about, uh, you know, um, sex attitude because everybody thinks they know everything. So they're just very pragmatic, you know, oh, get better in sex, techniques. Mm -hmm, That's what they want. But, you know, um, and I give it to them, but it's... Um, it's not really something that fills me up so much. So from next year, I'm going to offer like still like a la carte workshops, um, like full day workshops with hand job, blow job, but also like an option. Like if you sign up for the whole day, you get a discount. And then during that, I will talk more about like sex attitude and our history and culture and all that stuff. Okay. Um, just yeah. to just yeah. to drag you back a little bit to um, back into the world of swinging, um, sure. <laughs> I'm just curious: Have you had any exposure with uh, with swingers in Singapore? Um, yeah, um, I come across swingers uh, in Adult Friend Finder, and I have been approached, um, um, but I I personally don't do it. Oh no no no! Uh, that wasn't the question. That was just more um, out of curious. Yeah, your yeah. Help. Have yeah. swingers sought your help? I suppose is another way to put it. Um, no, 
Okay. Um, I have different kinds of clients who seek me out. A lot of them uh, cannot consummate their marriage. A lot of them have vaginismus. Um, then I have men who have premature ejaculation with problems with their erection. And then I have some people interested in uh, conscious sexuality and tantra. Mm -hmm. I have some people who have concerns around their uh, kink and their fetish and their uh, you know, BDSM and stuff. I sometimes redirect them to the BDSM community. But when it comes to swingers, no. I have not had a single client who has questions. Oh, that's not true. I have had one client who was uh, involved in swinging, but it was not like swinging-related question. It's more like um, 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 swinging plus effect on their relationship and stuff. Okay, yeah. yep. So not many, not many. I think a lot of swingers in the first place, they, uh, contrary to what a lot of people might believe, but I'm sure your listeners would already know this. Uh, contrary to what a lot of people believe, uh, people who are engaged in BDSM, into fetish, into swinging, these people are generally most um, educated anyway, and they are more empowered, and uh, they they have a more international kind of thinking, um, so uh, like well-traveled and all that. So these people are definitely not disempowered. Yep. So I I get disempowered people, people who are inhibited coming to see me because if you don't have a problem, you don't fix it. Mm -hmm. So I generally get people with lots of like inhibitions coming to me. So I would I would assume that's one of the reasons why swingers don't come. Yeah. Inhibitions is a is a good word there, I suppose, because one of the questions we had was um in terms of the gay and lesbian lesbian couples in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Now I mean, it's well known that um, the gay uh, gay male relationships are still not um, officially supported in Singapore. Yeah, yeah. Um, unofficially, you know, the, the, I think there's only been two people actually um, prosecuted in the last five years or something like that. Hmm. So unofficially, it's tolerated, but officially, it's it it's not. It's not illegal. Approved. Yeah. Yeah, it's illegal. That's right. So. Um, I suppose uh, to to combine a couple of questions there, I'm just curious, I would imagine that you would be seeing people from those communities. Um, additionally, um, what advice do you have for for the single, or sorry, for the gay males um, and lesbians living in Singapore? What's the, you know, is there is there an easy way to get around this? I suppose. Um. I'm 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 not really sure like what you're asking. Um, cause I guess you, if you have people coming to you that feel like they have maybe they, these tendencies or maybe they they already have explored a little and they're struggling with their sexuality, um, yeah. you know, do you have people seeking your advice on that? You know, people coming in to talk about even just having yeah. a, a shoulder to to cry I guess on. cry on yeah. or person to talk to. Yes. I do work with um, 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 GLBTQ, um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender people, and um, um, the fact that I I identify as um, heterosexual uh, is sometimes also an issue because um, there there are already uh, counselling groups in Singapore, um, Uga Chaga, that um, is um, is um, counseling people who are gay. Mm -hmm. So people who are already um, in, uh, I guess, a little bit more out uh, would probably go to such places because mm -hmm. they 
they think that they would be understood more. Yeah. And people who are not uh, open to uh, still questioning themselves and don't want to be gay uh, or seeking a cure, like maybe their parents, um, they might come to me. Okay. And uh, so about last year, I think I made a video on my stance about homosexuality. I feel that sometimes as an educator, putting out such information actually deters people from coming to see me. So while people will say, well, you know, it's good that you came out and talked about how you f- how, what's your stance so they know how to approach you, it's not necessarily true because the parents will not seek me and then they wouldn't be able to have that shoulder to cry on and hmm. start exploring their own discomforts around homosexuality. It must put you in a, a somewhat of a difficult position, though, knowing that their parents may have, or, you know, somebody's parents may have sent them to you to effectively cure them and, you know, you may not share the same values as what they do. I, yes. I could imagine that could cause some interesting internal conversations for you. Um, I, I cannot, I cannot be um, anything more than be sex positive. So I am not going to pretend that it's okay for me to hear all that uh, stuff about reparative therapy, which I don't agree to. Uh, so, so by putting it out there, yes, I feel I'm losing business. Uh, yes, I might be turning away some people who might um, be able to start grappling around this issue of accepting their children, for instance. Um, but it is definitely better than not um, having any stance and then they come to me and then they assume I will be a certain way and then feel that they've wasted their money. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, like, there's really no point, like, um, having conversations where we are arguing from different places yeah. Um, so, so yes, it is uh, in a way um, a bit sad that um, um, and that's how it is. You know, um, mm. people who are who, who identify as gay, uh, they would go to their gay uh, counseling community, and then people who are not so open, they might come to me um, wanting to have a more neutral stance. So, um, a few years ago, um, I can share this story because this person was not my client. Um, uh, wanted to find out, like, um, you know, is he gay? And uh, was having, like, questioning and all that. So he booked an appointment, then he cancelled it. And a few months later, when I followed up with him, he said, oh, I'm not gay anymore. I went for hypnotherapy and apparently it works. So who am I? Who am I to, you know, argue with him uh, if that's the resolution that he wants? Mm, yeah, that so, is tough. I can I can only um, you know um, be available for people. I hold that space, and people who want to seek help uh, can come to me. Um, I feel it is important to have uh, a sexologist here in Singapore who is sex positive, who is Asian, who is a woman. I feel that um, being a woman, being an Asian, uh, has helped me a lot in being able to cut through all that bullshit and. Um, really be able to help clients. Yep. Because that's, that's key, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you're, you're here to support and you're here to help. And having, yeah. having you as a resource available, I'm sure, would just be amazing for some people yeah. who are struggling with something like consummating their marriage right through to, yeah. 
you know, performance in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, like, um, when they pulled that whole, uh, I have no sex education, my father this, my mother that, you know, and I just go, look here, I'm Asian. I went through that. Look at me. I've worked through it. That's how I got this training and this sex education. Now I'm helping people. So I understand that. When are you going to take responsibility for where you want to be as an adult when it comes to your sexuality? And so immediately, you know, we just cut through all that. Yeah. And really start doing some real work. Once you get to be adult age, of adult age, it's your own decisions to make in terms of the research you do, in terms of the people you speak to, in terms of the books you pick up when you're overseas or, you know, everyone can get hold of an Amazon book these days. So it really comes down to your own choice to try and find that information. It's like any other education, really. You know, if you don't know, if you don't know something about your emotional intelligence, then you can buy a book and, and educate yourself. Precisely. So my par- my my clients um, get into all kinds of anxieties uh, around their performance and how come that I can't do this? Other people can. Porn star can do this. How come I can't? And I and I ask them like, um, where do you think they learned from, and where do you think you learned from, and mm. where where did you get your um, information, and what actually do you know about sex? And then they all realize that it all boils down to them not knowing better. Yeah, and um, being really hard on themselves, and we are not that way with ourselves when it comes to anything else in our lives. We literally have had to learn everything in our lives from cooking, Walking. cleaning, driving, yeah, absolutely using oh. the computer software, everything we've learned. So somehow, miraculously, nobody has taught us anything, and then we we expect ourselves to know this um, because sex is supposed to be natural. It's quite an irony given the emphasis that's on education in Singapore. You know, parents parents do, um, I'm not going to say pressure, but they <laughs> certainly do have expectations of their children as they study and as they go through their their education. And yeah. it's quite interesting that, you know, the, the, the kids who then turn into adults don't seem to pick up the fact that they need to learn this stuff. Yep. You yeah. are right. Yeah. So this is, um, this, is, this is constantly the thing that they come in beating themselves up over it. Somehow they seem to think that, um, you know, it's they magic. are losers because they they don't know. They haven't figured it all out by themselves. And yeah. um, It's a very yeah. tough position to put yourself in. They play victim and all that and um, they become really disempowered. So it's very ironic, yes. Um um, you know, um, that's this saying, if you can control a person's sexuality, you can control them. I look at all my clients who are totally disempowered because they feel they have this this thing that they are now fixated on that makes them less perfect. Um, and they are, they are, it takes up so much of their energy that I really do believe if you control a person's sexuality, you control them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lack of uh, sex education is a way of controlling people. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. I might look definitely look into that a little bit more. And we, we really appreciate you sharing everything with us today and, and our listeners. Um, as you say, we, we have obviously people that follow us that are swingers, but we also have people that follow us and listen to us that 
you know, maybe are just trying to learn more about sexuality and, and even have conversations with their partner. So this sort of information to share is is really important um, just to be out there and available for people to have a look at and listen. So in terms of people contacting you, if, if they want to find out more about um, the services that you offer, or I know that you write a lot of blog posts and newsletters, um, can you tell us maybe just for the, the listeners where they can contact you? Sure. So um, my website is uh, Eros Coaching, that's E-R-O-S Coaching.com. And I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Pinterest, uh, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the best way to contact me really is to just drop me an email and um, don't don't write me a one-liner. <laughs> Tell a little, little bit about your story. <laughs> yeah, give me a name. Like I really hate <laughs> it when people like just expect me to be like unagony and not even introduce themselves. And um, so, yes, I, I, I want to help people who are genuine about wanting to be helped. And I also expect some courtesy. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> we can certainly fill you in on some of the emails we've received that are less than courteous. Mm. Less than courteous is certainly the best way to put it. Some of them fairly sturdy, sturdily sexually biased. <laughs> mm. Mm. yeah abuse <laughs> let's yeah, just call it abuse yeah, it really is yeah some of the things that pop up yeah are quite interesting absolutely and um we will add that information to our website as well as the podcast because we're all about sharing information and uh, the more information that's available and and hope that you know if you help one person fantastic if you can help 10 then so much the better yeah and absolutely mm. and also um if anybody you know wants to contact us for some referral to you of course we're happy to do that as well great thank you very much for having me it's been really fun yeah we've yeah. enjoyed it as well and thank you dr martha lee for sharing i guess a, l a little bit about your history as well and and how you grew up and i guess what influences that had on you as a person because as you say you know cultural aspect can have certainly a part to play but you know how how you've grown up and what's ingrained in you as a person from a young age can have a pretty big impact okay thank you very much thank you so guys that was dr martha lee what'd you think i thought she was interesting i i there's some very interesting conversation in there there's some heavy heavy yeah some <laughs> uh some stuff that i suppose i wasn't expecting mm -hmm. in terms of um the local culture here in singapore yeah but also some stuff I was as well. Interesting too, I guess, that um, her own background, you know, her, her mother kind of displaying more more womanly power and, and yeah. walking around naked and kind of saying, it's your body, why be ashamed, ashamed of, of it? it? Yeah. Um, whereas her girlfriends had the complete opposite experience. So, But I don't think that's terribly dissimilar to everywhere around the planet. You know, you may have one hippie tree-hugging mother, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. Who who's all about sitting around smoking weed and by the campfire naked versus somebody who's, um, you know, a little more uptight. Mm -hmm. And uptight may not be the right word, but it's the word I'm using. Okay, sure. So, so yeah, we, we hope you enjoyed it. And um, thanks again for listening. If you've got any feedback, as always, drop us an email at cnd at swingingdownunder.com. Yeah, and look forward to talking to you guys soon. Thanks, sexy followers. This is C. And this is D. And this is Swinging Down Under. <laughs>